Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Strength to Strength. Um, we've shifted our regular scheduling to bring you some insight into the refugee crisis in, in Afghanistan this morning. We'll be joined by four brothers who are working diligently to discover how to meet the needs of these people um, in Afghanistan and the ones that have landed here in the United States since the Taliban has taken over over there. It seems like our world in the 21st year of the 21st century seems to have gone in a bad way. I don't know how many of you heard or read Antonio Guterres' speech in the UN this week, but he painted a very bleak picture. I'm sure you've seen in the news that Afghanistan um, is under siege. Uh, many reports of carnage and hundreds of thousands of people seeking to leave the country, displaced in the country, living in fear. The World Food Program estimates that about a third of the population is suffering from hunger. And then you have a crisis in Yemen, which has been going on for many years. It's called the greatest humanitarian crisis. As of the end of June 2021, 3 million people, including 1.5 million children, are now internally displaced and over 138,000 additional people have become migrants and 137,000 people seeking asylum abroad. Ethiopia is in unrest. There's a tremendous need there people displaced, and the Syrian refugee crisis has been going on for a number of years. These are just only a few, just a snapshot of the needs that are across the globe. And the reason, there are a couple of reasons we shared uh, our sharing on Afghanistan this morning. But I would say the, the main, one of the main reasons is to bring the problem of the Afghan people to our attention for prayer and aid. If we've been consuming national news for the past 20 years or so, it's easy to be influenced to think that these people are some radicals or even the bad guys. And I think we'll learn that these people are like you and I, and we need to lay aside any bias that we may have picked up and be filled with compassion. Leviticus, in Leviticus 19, God told Israel, and if a stranger dwells with you in the land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. It will just introduce the four brothers who will be sharing this morning. We have um, the first one to present will be Brother Laverne Yoder. Um, he is from California. Uh, actually, before we get going, let's just pause for a word of prayer. Righteous Father in heaven, the only wise God, we come before you this morning. We thank you that you hear the cry of your people. We thank you that your, your ear is attuned to the cry of the needy. We just pray, Lord, that you would be with us this morning as we learn about the needs of our fellow men. Fill our hearts with compassion. Help us to see clearly ways that you've called us to serve. Help us to view the resources that we enjoy as resources that we can give. Just pray that you would be with each brother that is going to present this morning in a special way. Grant them clarity of thought. Give them courage. 
and help them to um, share what you've laid on their hearts. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first one is Brother Laverne Yoder. Um, I think we'll, if you can speak for maybe 10 to 15 minutes and uh, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself, Brother Laverne. Thank you, Sam. Good morning. It is good to be with you. It's good to see people who are interested in the Afghani crisis and, and the mess that's been going on over there. We kind of hit the, the Afghanistan mess with sort of on the broad side. We were, we were starting to work with English, um, teaching English, and they came to us and we started working with some of them a number of years before this crisis hit. And this has just kind of made it more real to me. I've realized that, as Sam said, this mess has been going on for quite a while in various different places. And it's easy to read in the news and just, well, it just is what it is. Well, when it began to be in Afghanistan, all of a sudden I realized that these are my friends. You know, I, I don't know many people in Afghanistan itself, but I know people here and how they're being affected and it it made just made it real to me like the syrian crisis and some of those others weren't so that's that's been good for me i'm going to share my screen and run you through a few pictures different things that i i've been thinking about so i am i'm the director of streetlight christian ministries we started in our living room just doing learning to know kids in our in our community. I live in Sacramento, California. I live in an apartment complex with over two thousand other people, and I've just we started out just learning to know our neighbors, and and that's a point that I think we need to realize that these things don't have to start in a big way. You can start in your living room. That's been a real blessing for us. So people ask, why, why do you do what you do? And I tell them it's because it's my job as a student. In Matthew 25, it talks about kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey, called his servants and entrusted them his property. And you know this story of how he gave talents to people and to his servants and ask them to take care of it while he was gone. And then in first Corinthians, it says it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And, you know, I've realized that we can choose what we want to do with our talents. And as Jesus puts it in this story, he says, you have two choices. You can bury them or you can share them. That's been a real challenge for me. And some of us say, well, we don't have that many talents. Well, I argue that if you spend time with other people, especially with we live in low income housing, if you spend time with, with a lot of those people, you realize you've been given so much in relationship. You know, I'm so thankful that my wife didn't have to take pepper spray along on our first date. 
and some of that is just based on relationships. You know, most of us are know how to sing. Most of us have a work ethic. Safety. You know, if I'm not doing drugs, if I'm not sleeping around, especially here in the United States, we live in relative safety. And if we're traveling abroad and we have a U.S. passport, it puts us in kind of our own level, if you like. We've been blessed with communities, so many people that we know. We've been blessed with knowing how to place boundaries. And we've been blessed with education. So many people in this world don't have the education that we have. I, I tell my neighbors that when I was growing up, no child left behind meant that our school put every effort for everyone to learn to read. That was important. And we didn't let someone out of school unless it was simply impossible that they could not learn to read. So Streetlight Christian Ministries is an Anabaptist urban ministry promoting life skills and biblical discipleship. We do it through various different ways, as you see here. One of them is English classes. You know, for years, I remember growing up praying for the 1040 window and asking God to, to bring those people to him. I am sure that some of you are familiar with the 1040 window, where two-thirds of the, of the world's population live, and a lot of people who do not know Jesus. Well, I believe that these crises that have been happening in Syria, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, I believe that this, at least in part, is God's answer to so many prayers that went up for the 1040. And now God is, is bringing these people into our communities. I don't even have to travel outside of the U.S. to be surrounded by people from Afghanistan. And I believe that God has heard our prayers and is saying, here you go. Now, what are you going to do with it? I really think that we've been given an opportunity. I tell our team here that we've been it's a great time to be alive, a great time to be able to, to interact with these people. So as I said, we just started by learning to know people at the local park. And we, will, we are now, at this time, blessed with two, two single girls who help us. They do, they do quite a bit of the teaching. A lot of the men who come here from Afghanistan have worked with the U.S. military. And so they have varying degrees of English. And I worked some with them, but their wives are the ones that, who really need the help. And so we've, we've been working a lot with, with the ladies from Afghanistan. We were blessed to be able to rent a building to be able to use to have classes. The lamppost has been a dream come true. For, for many of us, being able to do the various things that we do. This is, how this is how it started for me, just on our living room floor, playing Monopoly with children. And as it grew from there, we started having kids club at the local community building, started doing different craft projects, telling Bible stories, 
just interacting with people. From there, it moved to a community garden project. That's been a lot of fun. I never thought I would be a gardener in the middle of Sacramento, but I, I have that opportunity. Cooking classes, various things that we've done to help in the community. I, I think that cooking is a, a, a needed skill in our world today. Sewing classes, craft classes, teaching young men to how to pound nails, and tutoring. We started working one-on-one -on -one with, with various children, and that's when... That's when we started seeing, it was about four years ago that we started seeing people from Afghanistan move into the area. And we started working with some of, some of the children, and it wasn't too long until one of the, one of the men came and said, would you teach my wife how to, how to speak English? And so that has been very, very interesting to us. We started on an apartment floor. Teaching, teaching English to a few people. And that has been something that, that has continued to grow. We went, this was, I guess, about two years ago. This was just last year. Continues to, to grow and it continues to be more and more people who are coming over. Babysitting, we do, that's one thing that the, the people really appreciate is doing babysitting while they are in class. That's been very interesting. This is about what we're looking at as far as people from Afghanistan. And this is, you know, we're not the big guys here in the area. Working with 40 students, we haven't even scratched the surface of the number of immigrants who are pouring in, especially now. And that's okay. But it gives us an opportunity to, to work with these people. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, we do, with, with our teaching English, we try hard to do a, a relational model where we, um, two days a week we have class, and then two days a week our teachers are in their homes working with individual people to help build those relationships. That has really paid dividends in being able to, to go into their homes and sit down with them, share with them, and we try hard to be available. And that is, that is during this time especially, has brought up you know, tremendous stories. This man, Norman, grew up in Kabul, and he, he can tell tell you many stories of growing up there and of how that even back in those years, he didn't know when he'd come home whether from school whether his house would be standing or not because of the bombings. Um, he got married in Afghanistan, had various jobs over there, and then worked for, for the government, the, the Afghani government, and he can tell so many stories of being afraid during that time. He said he would often not take his, his car that he was given for, by the government to use. He wouldn't take that to work because it was too dangerous. 
numerous numerous colleagues that were killed by car bombs, things like that. And I, I can't, I told him, I said, no, man, I can't fathom the fear. I said, I've been given so many things by being able to live here. And as you can guess, this is only one of many. Um, right now, we had someone who enrolled in our classes last year who signed up for this year and didn't come to class. So we, we went and knocked on her door and her husband answered the door and said, oh, she's not here. She's in Afghanistan. I said, what? He said, yeah, she didn't get out in time. She went back to visit and didn't get out in time. So she and her two sons are in Afghanistan trying to get out. Her sons are, their, their sons are U.S. citizens. They're trying to figure out how to get out of this country. Um, Razia, another lady that we work with, had a 16-year-old who was kidnapped by the Taliban. And she came to us saying, is there anything you can do? And I said, I'm sorry. But I said, there is one thing I can't do. I can pray. And we spent time. I said, when we go to church, we will tell, we will ask the brothers to pray. And about two weeks later on her WhatsApp status, she had a picture of a dancing person saying, my, my, my brother was released. Thank you, Miss Rosanna, for praying. It was just really neat to see things like that. Based on fears for her single sister, um, her mother, who was a teacher, her brother, she asked us to edit um, letters that she was writing to different people to try to get them released. Um, another one has been, we, we've had a lot of students asking for help filling out paperwork. And that's something that we have tried to figure out. You know, we want, we really want to be available for these people. But you also have to know what's a good idea and what isn't. That's something that we continue to work with. But, you know, I think one of the things that we just feel a real need for is people with vision. And I think that's not new to people who are on this call. But there, there's a real need for people with vision. People who are willing to go outside of other places and get involved with the people around them. So thank you for being interested. Thank you for, for doing what you can in the Afghani crisis and for continuing to be involved. Are there, do you want to do questions now, Sam, or do we do that at the end? We'll open it up for um, general questions there at the end. Um, have you seen a significant increase in like our Afghanis landing there? Um, in Sacramento? We have several students who've been here less than a month. Yes, mm -hmm. it is. They're definitely landing here. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, thank you for sharing that um, glimpse into what your, your vision is there and the work that you have going on there. And let's remember to lift that up in prayer um, every time we can. So the next one uh, to share is Brother Steve. Steve works with an, uh, 
organization called Advance 1040. And he has recently spent time in Central Asia to find, uh, trying to find opportunities involving um, the Afghan refugees there. Uh, Brother, maybe introduce yourself a little. All right. Well, hello, everyone. And yeah, I just want to say again, agree with what um, Brother Laverne's shared. It's a great time to be alive. Um, I agree with that. And so, yeah, just, I guess, a little intro. Um, I'm Steve, and I'm with an organization called Advanced 1040. And just, I guess, just a little bit about Advanced 1040. It's, it's actually part of a, a larger Anabaptist organization that, that we can't name right now. But um, I guess a little bit about it, it's, it's about Anabaptists advancing and training, development, and commissioning. And um, thanks, Laverne, for yeah, sharing that about, about the 1040 window. So um, I guess the goal be behind Advanced 1040 is, is to advance the kingdom into those areas. We believe God calls his people to dangerous places for the sake of his kingdom. And Advanced 1040 is equipping laborers uh, with skills they need and developing avenues um, to serve the difficult parts of the world. So kind of in a nutshell, it's, it's all about advancing the gospel and preparing laborers, um, which that involves training. There's various trainings we do and so forth. The, our great purpose is making disciples of Christ and establishing assemblies, which uphold all his teachings among every unreached people group of the 1040 window. So that's just a little, little bit of an overview of, of where I'm coming from. Um, I think on the on the on the the link, there's a there's a link for Advanced N40. Uh, feel free to check out our website. Also, we have a YouTube channel, and yeah, just avail yourself to that. So yeah, I'm just going to be sharing a little bit about uh, my trip I was involved in um, a little bit ago. I took a trip to, uh, with, with a small group, a small group of guys. We took a trip to Central Asia um, just to kind of, our goal was to scope out and, and just yeah, look for opportunities um, since, you know, August 15th happened with the, with the Taliban takeover of Kabul. We, we thought it'd be um, helpful to just send a team over there and see if there's surrounding areas we did not we did not go in, in country, but see if there's any opportunities that we can get involved in with with the mass refugee crisis, um, so on and so forth. And one of our main goals was to connect with the locals. We wanted to connect with the local church and see how they're faring and just yeah, see if there's any way that we can get involved in uh, with with helping out. So yeah, I we went to, first of all, we went to Tajikistan and just, just north, north of the country, north of Afghanistan. We were there for one week and we did get, we didn't actually get involved with a lot of refugee work as far as, you know, seeing like a mass of, you know, masses of new refugees just coming out of the country. Uh, we were able to connect with, with some local believers on various contacts that, lots of contact, good contacts that we made there. Um, 
so yeah, we did, we did connect with some contacts that are reaching out to the refugees. Central Asia is definitely quite a bit of a different ballgame, I guess, um, at least for us as Americans, just to go, go get involved. So kind of what we found out the best way for right now is to support the local church and <clears throat> just that encourage them and see where we can help and that. So I guess just uh, the one contact I'll share a little bit about him. He's very on fire. Um, he's just, yeah, in, in that country, it's it's kind of, I mean, it's post-Soviet, so post-Soviet Union. So it, there's a little bit of, um, you would say, Russian influence, I guess, quite a bit of Russian influence. So it's it's very interesting. It's, it's like 90-some percent Muslim. I, I forget the exact number, 94% Muslim maybe. But with that being said, it's illegal for children under 18 to be in mosques or churches. So across the board, any religion, they just illegalize any participation in, in worship under 18. So it's, it's very different. The, the Tajiks, they're very scared and apprehensive about what's happening south of them. They, they do not want Afghan refugees. They do not want Taliban in their country. They're, they're very scared of, of radical Islam. So it's, it's a very, very, we found it a very, very interesting country. So kind of what we found with talking to different various uh, contacts is that, yeah, they seem, and it's kind of what we were expecting looking at the news and stuff. It seems like at least when we were there, they're still very much trapped in their country. There's lots of guarding going on the, along the Taji border. They had you know, lots of military personnel there. And um, I didn't actually physically go, physically go see the border. We didn't quite get that close. But there's, there's lots of, you know, they're, they're protecting the border. And then the Taliban on the other side, they're, they're trying to keep people from leaving. And I guess just one, yeah, so it's very, it's very difficult for them, uh, especially the Christians and just any Afghan trying to come out, it's very difficult and very dangerous. So there's there's a river um, with like north of the border there at the border with Tajik, Tajikistan and Afghanistan. And there's there's one story that one of our contacts shared, very sad, but I guess it just kind of brings out the reality of what's happening. He said there was there's 13 Afghans that made it across, they made it across the river and only to be, you know, arrested by the local Tajiks and handed over back, back over to the Taliban. And they ended up lining him up on the river and, sh and shooting him as a, as a public example, I guess. And they were just like, you know, this is what happens if you escape. So very sad story, but it's, that's the reality of what's happening. Um, people trying to get across are very likely going to get shot if, if, they, if they do get caught. And we were also involved. Uh, so the one contact that we were in contact with, he, he was involved with, I guess there's, there's a neutral zone um, about two kilometers wide between Afghanistan and Tajikistan. And there's, you know, a bunch of families stuck in there. So like he was, there were some people involved with trying to help these people immigrant to Tajikistan because, you know, very likely if, if they do get handed over, it's, it's not going to go very well for them. So 
yeah, definitely, definitely pray for the Afghans. I, I think there are, I mean, I, we assume there is going to be a mass crisis here soon. Um, a lot of people coming out. Um, I guess us as advanced in 40, we want to continue to monitor the situation and, and see what happens. Um, at the time when we were in Tajikistan, they were all preparing for their uh, great independence day. I guess they just had their independence day of 30 years since they um, yeah, were saved from the Soviet Union. So everything was kind of shut down and there was lots of security around. They, they, they were just like, they didn't, I guess they didn't want to talk about, it seemed like as a country, they were pretty close to having any, any refugees come, but there is talks of them setting up a camp in Tajikistan, but they're very clear that they, they do not want Tajikistan as a whole. They do not want people or refugees there permanently um, they want to be a transferred nation so they're they're i think they might be willing to house them for a little bit but they they definitely want them to move on so i guess just some of the needs um that we found there in tajikistan we we were able like i said we were able to connect with the local church and the one i guess the one couple that we we visited, they, they express how they need lots of encouragement. Um, they, they feel like the, the task is huge for them. And as a Tajik, it is already, they already face a lot of pressure to be believers and Christians. And then on top of that, for them to think about reaching out to Afghans, the people south, south of them, it, it's just huge because and for one, they're they're facing pressure to be believers, and then for two, it's for them reaching out to Afghans. It's like they're reaching out to their enemies, and the locals, you know, in country, they really don't appreciate them, and and they're it's understandably so. They really they're really scared of of you know the radicals coming to their country and changing their country, and, and they're very close to the situation. So. They ask for, they just need lots of prayer and encouragement, but there are, I would say there are definitely some passionate um, people there and, and the church is alive. It's pretty small, but it, it is alive. And I guess they just need a lot of encouragement. So yeah, pray for the, pray for the local church in, in Tajikistan. And yeah, just a few opportunities that we found. For one, we, we found an opportunity to send a small group of guys back to, to Tajikistan. We're actually hoping to do this um, shortly. But we, so we want to send a few guys back there and just do some trainings with the, with the locals. So you would be training uh, most likely local believers and just giving them some practical skills as far as refugee operations and um, leadership abilities and just you know how to go about to give them some practical skills to reach out so we're actually hoping to send the team back there um, to do that so you can be praying about that um another opportunity is just getting a student visa and moving there um take your family pack up and go there's tajikistan is a very very interesting country and we were very intrigued by it 
Um, as Anabaptists, I think we have a big advantage actually to just go, go over there, blend into, into the culture. And the interesting fact is the Tajiks look a lot about, a lot like Anabaptists in the way they dress. <laughs> They're just, yeah, it's, it's, we were very, very, I guess it was my first time there. So yeah, we were just very intrigued just the way they dressed. Um, they have a little bit, they dress a little bit different than just your typical Muslim. And yeah, it re- reminded me a lot of just saying, this is Anabaptist over here. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, I think the Anabaptists definitely would have a huge advantage in going over there, just, just relating to them. So yeah, just, just a few facts about Tajikistan. Um, so yeah, it's the 11th most unreached nation in the world. And it's actually the most unreached in all of Central Asia beside outside of Afghanistan. And I found it very interesting that there's actually more unreached people in Tajikistan than North Korea, which is the 12th most unreached. Only 0.4% of the people in Tajikistan are Christian. And I'm just like, why, why aren't we there? There's, it's a beautiful country. It reminded us very much like Colorado uh, has a climate of Colorado and yeah, it's a beautiful country. It'd be very easy just to go over there um, get a student visa, do school, and just just live there. So yeah, plans moving forward with this. I already mentioned the team going over. We we as of yet we don't have um, very big plans. It's, it's very new for us as an organization, so we can't really make any promises. But I I guess the main plan is is to send that team and hopefully connect more with the locals, do that training. Um, not sure how much more time I have, but the one other country we visited is Pakistan. We we were able to go to Pakistan for a few days. With in that country, we did not get involved with. We did not relate with any refugees, um, but we were instead we were able to find lots of huge needs there, just just with the locals. Um, yeah, huge needs for education. We we ended up visiting some ethnic Christian villages and yeah, just immense poverty. Um, we were able to visit and, and see the reality of our brick slaves. There's, there's slaves that ethnic Christians. I, when I say ethnic is they were born Christians. Um, unfortunately, most of the ethnic Christians are not born again. And, and actually very, there tends to be a lot of immorality and just, um, yeah, very unfortunate with the churches over there. Um, they they need the truth, and and we were we were able to connect with. We had a host that was he's he's preaching the truth in his village, and there there is some change happening, but this it's just huge need. We were it's over, almost overwhelming the great need in Pakistan. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely lots of opportunity. It's it would be a big task. Um, <laughs> our host said that. It, would, it takes someone that's that's daring, I guess, to go over there. But it, it definitely, I would say, there's huge opportunities. You want to go start a business and, and just live there. And so, yeah, there's huge lot of lot of the ethnic Christians there that actually don't. Lot, most of the people, or very many of the people, don't know how to read, so it, they can't read the Bible, and it's 
yeah, just huge needs. Um, I think I think my time is about up. So with that, I'm gonna, hey, thanks a lot. And I, I guess just a few points. Um, how can we help? For one, we can pray, pray for the local church. Uh, we can also support financially, and then also encourage them. I think they, they, the church there in Tajikistan they really need encouragement, and that they could be a city on a hill and a light that cannot be hid. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, you've almost persuaded me to move. I'd have to convince convince my wife. Um, thank you for going over there. I know it's a little risky to travel in those parts of the world as an American. Um, thank you for for doing that and bringing back this report. I followed your the chat, the Afghan refugee chat, um, the updates of your movements over there, and I'm blessed by your courage. So next up, we have uh, Joseph. This is an alias. Uh, it's not his real name. And yeah, without further ado, Joseph, you can go ahead. Good morning, and thank you. Um, first off, I'm very sorry uh, that I'm not showing my face or showing my real name there. I apologize for that. Um, I'm doing it out of caution because of the sorts of things I've been involved in over there and potentially more so. That's why it's like that. Um, thank you very much to Brian and thank you, Sam, for um, introducing this. I appreciate that. I'm so happy that the Afghans are coming to, let's say, are, are coming into the headlights of the Anabaptists. Um, it's a great opportunity for so long. They were just sort of far across the world somewhere in this country, um, where they're all terrorists and it's so dangerous to go there, which both of them may or may not. The first one is not true. The second one, second one may or may not be true, a little bit more so now. But of all things, um, they're coming here, and it's just astounding that so many of them uh, are coming now. Of course, they have been um, in America for a while. There have been numbers of crises, <clears throat> and I'd like to raise that to the fore just a little bit. Um, of their history and help us to get an idea of what's going on. Who are these people who are coming? But, um, so they have been here for multitude of or different crises. I guess, um, that they are a very hardy people. The Afghan are hardy people. They have resisted many invasions. Um, of course, maybe the most significant starting with was starting with uh, the Soviet invasion in 1979. And you have them there for 10 years, and then you have fighting amongst themselves. The Taliban um, are in power, and then uh, America comes in. And so now you'll see remnants of all this warfare sitting around um, just as you travel in the country. Um, tanks hulks of tanks and vehicles here and there. Sometimes there's ordnance, uh, unexploded bombs um, laying around, and children playing. Um, it's just a 
I'm sure that has changed some uh, from when I was there um, <clears throat> in 2007, but um, and yet there's things that remain the same, uh, I'm sure. So there's a lot of tension that has come onto their culture and, and the traditions of very traditional people. Um, I have so many cultural nuances that are rich and it offers now that they're here and intersecting with Anabaptists, it's a great contact point um, to see them with those sorts of, with that sort of background. But um, just a little interesting uh, point here. Um, some people think, and this is for the Pashtun people, there's, which make up a significant portion, and most of the Taliban are from the Pashtun people group, of Afghanistan, but some people think, I want to make that clear, not to say that some person said this is so, but some people think that the Pashtun people are of the background or descendants of a lost tribe of Israel or one of the lost tribes of Israel or tribes of Israel. Um, they have some interesting practices. So just a little um, interesting point there. I also want to point out that in history, it is said that Afghanistan uh, was once a missionary sending country um, to China. And of course, uh, at one point in their history, I'm not sure when they, they did face a very severe persecution. Um, I just spoke with someone yesterday, a couple people yesterday, um, and they said that at the turn of the century, or around 9-11, there were as few as around 200 or so believers in the country and when i was there I was told that basically the believers are kept separate from each other um because of the chance of a traitor coming into the mix and so then as group meets group his circle of knowing people and doing harm is enlarged. And so they're very, very private with each other. But now this has expanded. One per, one of them said about 10,000 believers now, or as of until this crisis, one said maybe it's a million, um, which is astounding. I didn't realize it had, uh, either number is big for me. Um, and they said many of them have chosen to remain. Of course, we hear that some have left, but she said, Many have chosen to remain in country because of the opportunity. So definitely we can pray um, for them, for wisdom and strength for what they may have to face. Um, it's easy for people to general, generalize here in America to look over there and say that all Afghans are terrorists. And um, in fact, they are so hospitable people, um, very warm folks. Um, in Pashtun Wali, the code of the Pashtuns they, they, I don't know the details of it, but the idea is that you, they are supposed to host even an enemy who comes to their place and have to receive them, um, give them food and, or they should treat them hospitably. They include food and you have to let him go, your enemy go a certain distance from you before you could go after him. Um, a couple, stories um just to sort of shall we say humanize the afghans um they're very normal people uh as we know god made of one blood all nations so 
their blood runs red too. Um, there was a water project that I helped with um, in the mountains uh, there in Afghanistan. And one of the things I enjoyed so much was going and uh, eating with them at mealtimes. So they'd have this huge plate of food and these what first may appear imposing figures with their big turbans and and their cloaks and and all of this um were just so warm and we'd sit around this food and they'd say eat you know they demonstrate that you have to dig in and you have to eat a lot and we'd do it together i would sit right there with them and they were so happy that i was eating with them and i was so happy to in peace be enjoying this time um, together and it was like an acceptance of each other um on the american side I, i've in the past interacted with some Afghans that still have contact with and um i i'm going to mention this story just to take away the fear factor um hopefully for people who are saying how shall i get involved so i was really determined um with the idea of going to afghanistan that I need to meet some Afghans. And so my brother-in-law had met some when he was passing out tracks. And he said, yeah, I think they're about in this location. So I took off to town and started knocking on the doors until I found them and um, went into the one house. There were two adults and two children um, eating there. I came to the door and there they were sitting eating. And this complete stranger knocks on the door and this not sure what to do with me quite, but they're like, you know, you're Afghans, they have to treat me nice, nicely. So they say, sit down and eat. And I, I'm, you know, this is pretty, okay. They were actually two ladies, um, which if you know Afghan culture, that's, that's way out there. And I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do with this situation? But I really wanted to meet Afghans. So I said, okay, let's, let's try to do this well. And lo and behold, um, we are friends until today and um, have learned so much. Um, so they are very um, human and desire friendship, especially when they're new um, to our country here and, and just needing help and a hand. Um, so, of course, there's a lot of conversation going um, around about how shall we help the Afghans who are coming. And I want to just plant a few ideas um, there's, of course, formal methods that, that can be used and hopefully uh, like sponsorship and um, settlement and so forth. And hopefully some of these things can take off. But in the meantime, um, I'm going to suggest that all of us, um, for all of us, there are ways that we can be involved. Um, and sometimes that grassroots level is just a fantastic way. Um, to get involved. So how do you start? We'll find them. Um, and so I, I gave you an example. Um, if it goes that far, just go do it, uh, knock on the doors and, um, but maybe you'll find them, um, shopping or you'll learn about them. And if you meet them, talk to them. Um, don't be timid about it. Um, some people have come to me sometimes about foreigners and they say, you know, someone came to me and they said, why don't you come to our house for tea? And I said, you know, I didn't know what to think about that. Should I, it's a stranger. And should I have gone? And I said, 
next time you see them and they say, come to my house for tea, go to their house for tea. Um, start the conversation. The fact that they came and wanted um, to have you for tea indicates something about their desire for friendship and so forth. Perfect opportunity, so we need to take it. Um, when you meet them and learn to know them and, and they invite you, go. But then have them come to your home as well. Um, find a way to give to them. And there are ways. So Anabaptists, you know, we like gardening. We like uh, tomatoes and so forth. They love fresh vegetables and this kind of thing. So, of course, our growing season is closing. But find ways to give the things that that we're good at, um, cookies and so forth. Um, and of course, bring them as you can to your places, to your farms, go take your family with them to an outing to the park. Uh, so what I'm saying is without being formal about it, make the first contact and probably they will be interested in continuing that contact. Once you make the contact, they have friends and Let's just say that we as Anabaptists are just a little different factor here in America than they're, what they're used to understanding about America. So the word will probably get around of this group of people and how they do. And it's so different. And um, this is what I learned. And they do these sorts of things like they pray before they eat. And um, it's just so, yeah, they want to come and have more. And then the others are like, really? OK, I have to see that, too. And all of a sudden, you may be swamped with as much as you can manage. Um, so don't be scared to start. Um, let them see how you do your life and your culture and ask them about theirs. Um, be normal. Wash the dishes. If you get to their house, wash the dishes. They'll say, no, you're the guest. Try to insist anyway sometimes. It just humanizes everything. And when you're normal, that's when the interesting stuff happens because you have conversations about normality and it can just generate very interesting things. Um, so it doesn't really have to be that much. Um, and remember that so much is understood without communication. They will know if you love them and care about them and they won't need a translator for that. And in all of our doing, um, take time to be with them. Um, it's very important to stop and drink chai um, and things like that. So don't be so busy um, that you don't have time to be with them because they find that important. Um, as we can in our communities, as they come, I'm not sure how this is going to look, but be a first mover. Be there first as soon as possible um, when they come to your communities. Um, be the first friend. There's apparently 37,000 of them now, but there's going to be more um, that are coming. And now, I guess, just briefly, I'd like to mention um, Cam's efforts yet um, before I finish. And Cam is um, carefully trying to work on ways to assist Afghans, um, both inside Afghanistan and refugees in the surrounding area. Um, so it's sort of a, a delicate work in a way, so I don't have a lot of detail about that, but they are working on that. And also they're also seeking how to assist and support the Anabaptist churches, your communities, 
across America um, in reaching the Afghan refugees. And I'm really not sure how all that looks, but um, in a general way, Cam would be interested in supporting. So if you have ideas, um, you're welcome to pass them to Cam, um, to me. Um, before I forget it, um, just because I'm faceless and nameless um, here doesn't mean that I would love, wouldn't love, I would actually love to be in contact with, you know, people who want to discuss more um, about Afghanistan and so forth, or just be in contact. Um, I'm very happy for that. So, um, I want to mention that the 25 favorite stories from the Bible are available in Darian Posture, the two major languages of Afghanistan. So if you're interested in this may happen after you come to know people and develop friendships. You may find that there's, you can sense interest. Just know that Cam has that resource um, available for you. Um, I guess going by just a, a quick blurb about the Good Samaritan. He, the lawyer or the, the Good Samaritan story, the lawyer's question got answered. Who is my neighbor? And I think our question is, is being answered as well. Who is our neighbor? But the question remaining that we have is, will we go and be that neighbor? And I'm so thankful for you all's interest and the interest of so many. So thank you so much for bringing this up. Thank you, Joseph. No need to apologize for the alias and the dark screen. Um, we appreciate your vision and your passion for this. It came through. Um, your love for the people. Um, thank you for putting... Um, characters to these people that we can relate to. Um, I think that's uh, a wonderful vision that you have, and I think you've shared it very well. Um, next up is uh, Brother Leon, and I understand he's going to be sharing. He wasn't a part of the, um, when we announced that this was going on, but he has been working, well, I'll let him tell you. Go ahead. Well, good morning. Um, I feel a little bit out of place here. The other brothers spoke about what they've been doing. I have not had interaction with the Afghans or refugees really at all. As I saw these Afghan people coming to America and um, landing here in Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, which is about two and a half hours away from me. It suddenly just hit me, maybe one day like a thunderbolt, you could say, God has brought these people to my backyard. He's brought these people to my doorstep. What am I going to do about it? And he spoke to me with a verse from Esther 4.14, and I've shared this with many people already, but I'm going to just share it again this morning. Esther 4.14, Mordecai said to Esther, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then will relief and deliverance arise to Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house will perish. And who knoweth whether thou art not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I want to share just a couple minutes quickly what we are doing here um, in Wisconsin. In Fort McCoy, as of this week, I was told there was about 13,000 Afghanis. Refugees there. Um, the one Zoom cause on this week, they said there's... There's more refugees in Fort McCoy than the next three forts put together. My burden, my desire is that we would see this as a long-term ministry to refugees, not just the Afghan refugees. 
There's approximately 70,000 refugees that come to the United States every year. People that have fled their country for one reason or another, and they come to America because they would like to enjoy the same life, the same good life that you are enjoying. My burden is, can we as an Anabaptist community have a possibly a nationwide ministry for settling refugees in our communities where we can help them? In my community here, we don't have refugees um, that I know of. We are, we are not a diverse ethnic community here. Can we bring those people here to show them Jesus? Where this is all going, we don't know. We are working to try to get volunteers into the Fort McCoy. Um, one of the organizations, IRC International, um, I'm sorry, that's me right now, International Refugees Committee, I believe it is, um, Resource Committee, anyways. They have partnered with LDS, Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church. They are... The Mormons have volunteers going into Fort McCoy. The Mormons are volunteering to walk beside these people. And that is sad. In a way, because they are going to see a gospel that is not true. And my burden is, can we as Anabaptists partner with IRC in that way? So that we can bring these people into our communities. So we can walk beside them. We don't know the opportunities yet for Fort McCoy. But we're working on that. Um, if this door opens up, we will be looking for volunteers. It's going to be some rigid um, rigid work. A 10-day commitment minimum. 12 to 16-hour shifts. You're going to have to be vaccinated for COVID. Um, it's a few other items. These um, volunteers don't have to be just from Wisconsin. They can be from Pennsylvania. They can be from Ohio, Oregon. So if you're interested, there may be an opportunity to serve. As these refugees come out and they spread across our communities, my burden is that we do what Streetlight street Christian Ministries is doing in other places. Just be there to show them Jesus. Actual shoe leather. Roll up our sleeves. Get our hands dirty, so to speak. We can all take our checkbook and write out a check and pat ourselves on the back and say we have done that which is our duty. But have we? Thank you. Thank you, Leon, for that gut-level challenge. Um, we really appreciate that. God bless you as you continue to seek how to help out there in Fort McCoy. That <clears throat> he'd give you wisdom for that. We'd open it up now for a few questions um, from the audience. For any of the brothers that have shared so far this morning, if anyone have any questions for them. Yes, uh, thank you, brothers, for sharing. One question came in through the chat um, addressed to Steve. And it says, many Afghans have lived in Tajikistan for years. Could you expound on their situation? 
I also understand Tajikistan has recently served as a country in transit for a limited number of Afghans from Kabul. Is this still happening? You have any comment on that, Steve? So yeah, there there are lots of refugees, Afghans in Tajikistan. We actually were able to go to a town with that was mostly consisted of Afghans. Or however, those those would have been yeah the ones that would have been there, you know, before before the fifteenth. Um, as far as their their situation, it, it's it's kind of like there there are some some believers I I believe. Um, it, it's kind of sad, like that. There are a lot of a lot of Afghans. Unfortunately, when when they come out of a situation like that, it's like freedom to them, and their freedom consists of you know um, drinking and stuff like that, um, alcohols. You know, if they leave Islam, you, you can drink alcohol and all that. So they can A lot of them turn into drinking and stuff like that. Um, there are. Like the one client that, that we were with, he, he is involved with working with some of them and that there are, there are, um, yeah, some assemblies of Afghans. And so th- that's encouraging. Um, they definitely do need people to, you know, just go live among them and, and be an example and reach out to them. As, as far as the transit country, as, as of now, I know there, there are some that, that are there in, in Tajikistan. I think it's mostly the camps would be mostly run by the military, I believe. And it is very, as of now, I'm not aware of like a huge, huge amount of them there. I know they were working on a camp um, somewhere in the country where they were, yeah, getting stuff ready to, to house a bunch of them. But yeah, as, 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 as when we were there, uh, one of our contacts, he said that he, he had a talk with the UN and even the UN wasn't sure what to do. They were just kind of waiting um, for clearance and stuff. So yeah, there, there are some there, but they're, you know, they're, um, the, the military would have pretty, pretty heavy insight over them. Yeah, Another question. That, Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So this, <laughs> there was a second question um, also addressed to Steve. It says, uh, one of them, I think Steve, mentioned one of the ways we can help is to encourage the churches already over there. How can we go about this? And also, how can we help financially? So, yeah, that's a good question. As far as helping financially, us as an organization, we don't have a fund specifically set up for, you know, sending money to the churches. We do have a link in our website, um, just is more a broader uh, general or Central Asia assistance, and that would be used for more a broader, a broader area as far as like um, helping people out in Central Asia or operations within that region. Um, so yeah, it it makes it a little bit difficult because you know order to funnel money over there, you kind of need someone over there making sure that it gets used right and all that. So we do have a link. Yeah, Central Asia assistance is a little broad, but it would be used for just general operations and, and also helping people from the, you know, ethnic central Asia. So um, as far as encouraging the churches, there's another good question. I think, I mean, you, you can't, it's, you can be encouragement going over there, you know, being with them and just, just visiting them. I think the 
one couple that we visited, they were, you know, very happy just to just sit down and talk with us. And, and they kind of feel, I don't, I really realized this in Pakistan, the people, they very, they, they, it seemed like they felt like they were kind of lost and forgotten. A lot of the Christians, they were so glad to see, you know, Americans come. And, but I guess one way I'm just thinking here, like even, you know, building friendships and then even like hopping on a Zoom call with them and encouraging them that way. I think, yeah, prayer and just them knowing that there are people praying for them. I, w- I would say would probably be the best way, but obviously the best way if you, if you could actually move over there and, and they can see that you're willing to, you know, live there and be an encouragement, that would probably be the best way. But yeah, pr- I would say prayer and um, there's, there's various ways you can do it. Sure. Thank you for that. Does anyone else have questions or encouragement or a thought on what was shared this morning? So if I understood correctly, I'm not sure who I'm directing this to, either you or, or Steve or Joseph, um, is the, the country's closed now and they're they're really trying to restrict the outflow of people at this point. Is that the case? Maybe you could answer that, Steve, since you were in the surrounding countries there recently. Maybe Maybe Joseph has a better answer, but... I was just looking online and it looked like as far as the border with Tajikistan, it was closed until the 20th. Um, I know today is the 25th. So again, I haven't really been, you know, looking at the news very much, but we're, you know, monitoring the situation. We'll be in contact with our contacts over there and see if anything opens up. And with the team going over there to do that leadership training or the, the trainings, you know, they will be able to connect with some of our contacts and, and keep a, you know, keep their ears open if, if anything happens. Okay. I might add that um, <clears throat> from what I've heard, let's say to the east of Pakistan, that that country is currently not, I would say, accepting humanitarian work to be directed to the Afghan refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, whatever needs to be done needs to be done sort of uh, underground, as it were. But my understanding is, I'm not sure how many are actually getting over legally, but Pakistan and Afghanistan historically have been very connected. About half the Pashtun population lives on one side and half on the other. Um, and so it used to be free running across back and forth. So, But in these days, with all that's going on, basically there are people who are running the border, finding the places to slip through which presents a challenge on the Pakistan side if they're not legally across. Mm-hmm. I can understand if the nations around there are a little nervous about refugee situations in light of you know the Syrian refugee crisis and so many countries getting flooded with uh, you know millions of people who are trying to leave these countries. So if people were to go over there um, it might not be able to, you would, might not be able to lend aid through official channels. Um, it might have to be just kind of a get into the communities and, and meet the peoples and meet the people there and try to assist that way. I want to thank the brothers for sharing this this morning. Um, your vision, your passion has been communicated. Um, I feel like we've all come away from this with a fresh burden 
to reach out to the people that we can reach out to in our communities and to remember our brothers and sisters abroad and um, not get so focused on, you know, the daily tasks of our lives or, you know, making money or whatever it might be to ignore the needs around us. I really appreciate that. Was there anyone else that had a comment? I was just Googling where African refugees are are settling. And a quick Google is um, a large portion are settling in Cleveland, Ohio. And I saw that there's 8,500 expected in Philadelphia. Um, Does anybody know how these are filtering out into our communities? Well, from my research that I've been doing, it depends where the housing is um, here in Wisconsin. So far, what I've been able to discover, most of them will be in the Milwaukee area, which is about 250 miles away from us. And that's one of the things that we're working on is we can't even get these people into our area because because of the resettlement agencies, they have to settle within 100 miles. And so if we can work on some of that, my goal would be long-term that we could send out, say, a some kind of a call across Anabaptist back um, broad community and say, hey, we have some refugees coming. Where's a place they can go? Whether it's Ohio, whether it's Wisconsin. Um, How that all shake out, I don't know. To answer your question, basically from what I have been understanding from the research I've been doing, um, most of these people are just ending up inner city unless people step forward and offer housing to them they got to go where the housing is and that is an issue right now and it does give us an opportunity because housing is tough to get these people on out and i've been told that they're not going to be able to hang on to their 100 mile radius so if you have housing reach out to your local resettlement agencies and just see how you can help all right i think um if you want to help you can find links and information on our uh, strength to strength website If you click on the schedule and then the link for the talk this morning, the Afghan Afghan refugee crisis, there are links with some more information on some of the uh, organizations that these brothers work with that shared this morning. And there's also links for um, lending financial aid as well. I think the burden this morning has been give, pray, and go. We've been called to serve our fellow man regardless of who they are. Or where they are from. I was going to share First uh, John 3. It says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Um, before we close here, uh, Joseph, would you mind closing us in prayer? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much that we can be your children. Thank you that you are Lord of all and um, your kingdom, uh, we can be a part of it. Father, we pray that um, that as we have this great opportunity here um, before us, that you would show us how to access it and how to be your people. Um, day by day, 
ambassadors for you um, and in a way that we weren't really anticipating. So we pray that you will strengthen us, encourage us, make us courageous um, and bold and um, with a heart that is after you um, with love uh, for our neighbor. Um, thank you so much for each one. Pray that you would direct us as we go from here, that we may uh, be your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we go, just uh, some announcements. I just had a text come in. Um, Bryant Martin, who couldn't be with us this morning because he's not feeling well, he's been battling COVID all week, and his wife just shared that he's actually worse off this morning um, than he has been at, uh, so far this week. His fever's over 103, and he's in a lot of pain. Um, it seems like his oxygen levels are a little lower than normal. So if you could remember uh, Brother Bryant in your prayers today, that he could uh, be healed from this before it becomes worse. Other announcements. We'll meet again next week at 6 o'clock. And Brother Tony Zook will be sharing with us on the joys, challenges, tears, and laughs of a dad with special children. Uh, we're looking forward to that. And also, just a reminder, Strength to Strength Sisters launches next week. This meeting is for sisters only, and it will be held at 3.30 uh, next week, Saturday afternoon. So tell your wives and your sisters. Um, I believe that is everything for this morning. Thank you all for joining. I saw there was a large crowd on this morning. I think that's testimony to your desire to help and to learn about the needs that are going around, going on in our global community. And may God bless you as you seek ways to reach out and to help. And I hope that you've received the burden this morning to lift up our Afghan brothers and sisters in prayer. Um, that is one thing that we can all do without leaving our, our homes. But also, I hope some of us have been challenged to um, do more than that as well. But interceding for those in need, um, we can never underestimate the power of prayer. So go with God today. May he bless you and keep you. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. 